on behalf of these niggas that got felonies. Convicted conversations. Convicted conversations. Hi, good afternoon. This is Gary, your host of Convicted Conversations. Speaking on behalf of these niggas that got felonies. Those in pains from they lost one's memories. You've tuned in to Convicted Conversations. And now available on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, in this week's episode of Convicted Conversations, halfway house residents describe scary situations as the coronavirus sweeps the U.S. Stay tuned. Sometimes it feels like everything is passing me by. Every now and then it feels alive My ship has gone and sailed away But I, I gotta be strong Gotta hold on It won't be too long Now the time is coming Your host Gary from Convicted Conversations, and this week we'll be talking about halfway houses across America that have been um, infected, some of them with the coronavirus. Um, and this story was written by Lauren Gill on March 31st, 2020, which is today. Um, it is progressively getting worse, she says, potentially worse. A resident of one halfway house told the appeal as the part of a survey of the facilities something is going to happen and it's not going to be good a mask crafted from a t-shirt a room with 18 beds all filled a bathroom shared with someone who was ill a dinner hall so packed is like happy hour as the coronavirus pandemic ravages the country these are some of the scenes unfolding across the country in halfway houses contracted by the federal bureau of prisons which is also known as BOP. While calls grow louder for the government to release people incarcerated in jails, prisons, and the people filling the BOP's nearly 10,000 halfway house beds have not captured the same attention. Those people have either completed their prison sentences and have been sent to a home as a condition of their release, or they have been sentenced to stay at there for the entirety of their punishment. The appeal spoke for residents from halfway houses in Washington, D.C., Janesville, Wisconsin, and Brooklyn about their experiences as the pandemic worsens. For those staying at halfway houses, vulnerability to coronavirus is high, according to those interviewed by the appeal who have a knowledge of the homes. To meet social distancing requirements, many administrators have locked down their facilities banning people from leaving to go to their jobs. As a result, residents, many of whom had recently been working as a high density workplaces such as factories, are left to co I'm sorry, to cohabitate in tight quarters. People living in halfway houses are sentenced on average to six months. 
Some are nearing the end of their sentences and are due to return to the free world soon. But as the coronavirus spreads across the United States, their features are increasingly uncertain. Their futures are increasingly uncertain, I'm sorry. They're basically telling us, if you don't like, if you don't like it, then go back to prison, said Curtis King, who was staying at a halfway house in Brooklyn. I just don't know what to do about it. I got no choice except to risk getting sick. The Bureau of Prisons issued a memo on March 13 outlining changes to halfway houses in the response to coronavirus. Among those, it suspended routine drug and alcohol testing. Regular payments each resident must make to the Bureau with 25% of their salaries and allowed to the telephonic meetings between case managers and residents. The Bureau also noted that key staff could be temporarily used to fill gaps in security and other operations if shortages arose. Last week, FAMM, which is Families Against Mandatory Minimums, sent a letter to U.S. Attorney General William Barr calling him to ease the burden of halfway houses by releasing people to home confinement. These guys are in a petri dish. They're jammed together and they can't leave, Kevin Ring, president of FAM, told the appeal. Halfway houses should be empty immediately. There's no public safety benefit compared to the public health benefit of keeping them in there. It just doesn't make sense. It's mind-numbing. On Thursday, Barr issued a directive to the Bureau of Prisons advising officials to transfer people in the Bureau of custody to home confinement in cases which it is likely not to increase the inmates' risk of contracting the coronavirus. To be released, each person will be judged on criteria such as age, vulnerability to the disease, their conduct while incarcerated, and seriousness of their offense. It wasn't immediately clear if Barr's directive extended to halfway houses. In response to a list of allegations about the homes, the Bureau of Prison spokesperson told the appeal that it had no factual evidence to support the allegations. The Bureau of Prison remains committed to the use of halfway houses to provide services to offenders releasing to our communities and to support the use of these programs to assist them with the productivity, I'm sorry, to be productive and positive uh, with re-entry. Even during the current pandemic situation, while taking all necessary steps to protect the health and the safety of the residents of the public, the spokesperson Justin Long wrote in the email. Hope Village, a 304-bed a halfway house for men, is on lockdown, but residents say staff members are not taking necessary measures to protect residents against the disease. Three residents have been tested um, for the coronavirus, a spokesperson told um, the papers, and they're being quarantined in rooms in the building. Of those, two have tested negative, while a third has not yet come back. People who show symptoms of the disease are being quarantined in a separate building. One resident, who acts not to be named in the fear of retribution, told the appeal that the situation inside has grown dangerous. People sleep in rooms with several others, he said. For meals, residents eat together in two dining halls and are forced to sit close to one another. It's like happy hour on a Friday night at a bar, he said. It's packed. Like many of the residents, he, try, he ties a t-shirt around his face as a makeshift mask. 
because the men are not permitted to leave. They are unable to pick up supplies such as soap and hand sanitizers. Those who have family members nearby are allowed to receive supplies from them once a week, he said. And create a recreation consists of walking around the parking lot for 15 minutes every other day, said the residents. After spending six years in prison, he said he's due to be released home for confinement at the end of April, but is unsure whether that will happen now since meetings needed to permit his release have not have been put on hold. Things were certainly moving forward in the right direction, he pointed out, for the better. And this is not healthy at all, he said. After running out of preventative diabetes medication that regulates his blood pressure, he said, staff told him that to get it, he could call an ambulance to take him to the emergency room. He declined the offer, he said, because the trip to the hospital will increase his risk of being exposed to the coronavirus. He added that moral ins morale inside the facility is low and tempers are flaring between the staff and the residents. It is progressively getting worse, exponentially worse. Something is going to happen and it's not going to be good. A video was posted on Facebook showed a man who she said is a resident of Hope Village. He said that six to eight people are leaving the home every day in the ambulance. You got people throwing up in the hallways. They're stopping folks from bringing hand sanitizers up here and water for us, he said. Wearing a t-shirt around our face to act as a mask. We just ask for help here at Hope Village. Send everyone home. All we need is help. Hope Village did not return request for comment. Tammy Seltzer, director of DC Jail and the Prison Advocacy Project at the University of Legal Services, told the appeal she's heard similar stories from people living at the facility and urged the government to release people to home confinement when they can. Many of the people living at the halfway house don't have nowhere to go. However, Mayor Muriel Bowser should create additional temporary housing for those people, she said. We really need to reduce the number of people at the halfway house so they're not on top of each other the way they are right now. I mean, things are getting bad all over the country and people are worrying about themselves at home and their kids and you know the kids going to school and doing their work online and you know everyone's in a frenzy right now people are panicking and they're buying everything off the shelves i mean it's getting bad all over and doesn't seem like it's going to get any better anytime soon um so do all you can you guys stay safe i'm going to see if i could get one of the halfway houses here in miami on the line and see if I can talk to them briefly about um, the measure that they've taken um, to control the coronavirus. And this is another episode of Convicted Conversations. Don't let your past dictate your future. Stay safe.
is Gary, your host of Convicted Conversations, and I have a special guest with me tonight. Um, I have an educator. How are you today, ma'am? I'm good. How are you? Outstanding.com. And so in the news, we have the coronavirus sweeping the nation. Um, It's taking over. People are dying. People are getting sick, respiratory problems, you name it. Um, But these are happening to people on the outside. What's been going on is that a lot of the federal inmates are still incarcerated. Some of them are weeks away, months away from getting released. And the outbreak is happening in their space. It's happening in the halfway houses from here on up to New York. If you had a brother, a mother, someone that was incarcerated um, educator, how would you feel if they were trying to get out and they were in the the middle of this pandemic, but they're locked up in jail, kind of, sort of. How would you feel about that? Um, I mean, I would, honestly, I would feel bad, but I think anybody with a family member in that situation would. But I do feel strongly that if they are days away from actually being, um, their sentence being up, I think they should go ahead and let them out. And that will lessen the chances of them being infected and mm-hmm. also spreading it to people on the outside. So, I mean, that's something I really feel they should give them a pardon on. Right. Let them get on with their lives and hopefully walk out those doors healthy. So you're saying like they are weeks away, months away, whatever their sentence is, um, they should be let, they should be free to go home and spend the rest of that time with their families. Um, even if they're infected right now, what if one of them are infected, but they don't know it? And they're going home to their families. Do you think that'll be? No, I mean, I think there should be maybe a measure in place in the system to where they are tested prior to their release. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the average test, if I'm not mistaken, the turnover is 48 hours for the results. So maybe if they could put something in place to say, okay, if they are, say Johnny is 14 days away from his release mm-hmm. let's go ahead and test him to see if he's clear and he's not infected infected and even, even if their release date is coming up soon they're still going to let him out right so i mean i really don't know what the uh actual politically correct answer for that will be mm-hmm. but all i could say is potentially test them prior to their um getting out but i mean if you had someone that was incarcerated would you want them to be home or would you want them to be safe in the confinements of the Bureau of Prisons? Like even with the, the county jail, we seen people broke out last week up in Washington State mm-hmm. and they were scared. They wanted to be home with their families. And these guys weren't going to jail for 20, 30, 40 years. They were in jail for little misdemeanors and they still took a chance on breaking out. Now these guys that broke out of the jail they could have bonded out. They could have been out within a week or two, a month or two. But now all of them are facing at least an additional five years for escape. Right. They are. Um, I know initially when I first saw that, mm. I looked at the opposite side of the coin. I was like, well, depending on how long they've been in there, it's a possibility that they haven't even been exposed right. to the virus. And I'm thinking that probably might have been the safest place for them at the time. Mm-hmm. Because when America realized that we were in, I guess, what you could call a pandemic mode, they probably weren't even on the street. Right. So, again, in, in that instance, 
the jail may have been safer for them because I think the COs and the, the people that work in the jail are probably more of a risk to the inmate than the inmates are to them because they go out, expose themselves to other people, their other family members, maybe if they go to the market, something like that, and they come to work because the inmates haven't gone anywhere. Right. So, you know, that's, I can see both sides of the coin. And I mean, like with me, I haven't been to jail. I only been a few months at a time, but I can't even fathom an outbreak or something of this magnitude happening to my family and I'm locked up. I don't know what I will be thinking. I don't know where my mind will be at. I'm not saying these dudes were right for what they did. I'm not saying they wrong. I'm just saying these dudes, they took a chance on risking little misdemeanor charges and now they turned that into a felony charge by breaking out of jail. So something psychologically had to happen to these guys, men, women, whoever, um, a few days after that, I seen women did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like Spider-Man. something psychologically happening to these people where they not even trusting in the system. They not trusting in the jails that they living in. And they like, man, fuck it. I'd rather break out and be out there with my family and 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 and, and protect them in, during this outbreak. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a thing of fear as well because that's fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So they don't feel like they can fight behind bars. So I'm going to flee, try to get to my family. And that's where I feel safe. But again, I mean, you think about it. They're contained most of the day watching TV and the news plays it over and over. So right. they, they keep you in the mode of insanity, if you will. So mm-hmm. everybody's in panic mode. And then you are thinking you know of a person who's sitting there confined to a cell all day right they're gonna lose it and that's what's happening you can't reach your family you can't talk to nobody and and they they yeah, yeah they're losing it. anxiety fear everything kicking in mm-hmm. just think there's people out here that are free that are losing it yeah so imagine being locked up and you really can't do anything right so yeah that's the world we're living in right now horrible.com mm-hmm and then the the a lot of the parents that are locked up, they got to think about their their wives, their kids, their their moms, or whoever they taking care of. They got to think about all of these people while they locked up. They can't reach anybody. They can't get out. The phone lines are tied up because people are having real respiratory problems and they're going to the hospital and they're actually dying. Right. So it's like these people that are in jail I feel bad for them because they have to deal with all of these emotions and they can't call and do the things that we can on the outside so I definitely feel bad for them and I feel they pain I'm just saying like anybody out there man whatever y'all think about man it ain't worth getting an additional five years for trying to escape whatever you own if you locked up if you're in the halfway house no matter what state you in man just keep going through the proper channels and and do what you're supposed to do do what's right because you don't want that shit hanging over your head after all of this is over with and these people come lock you up or they be on some other shit so you definitely want to stick to the script write and talk to whoever you need to talk to but escaping and and doing those types of things i promise you it 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 won't be in your best interest once all of this over with i promise you so 
whatever you have to do, just do it. And and we just had to bunker down and you gotta you take the good with the bad right now. You feel me? Like you just can't be on some savagery. I seen a bunch of people get locked up in Fort Lauderdale yesterday for violating curfew. These people are not playing around. They dead serious and it's no joke. Um, educated, how y'all dealing with um the the kids that um parents that are locked up and these kids have to do this work. Now they have to do this work online. The parents actually have to stay home with these kids and help them out. Y'all I know y'all just kind of getting used to the system and everything, but how you how you foresee this going from here on out? Like what you see? Well, it's definitely a learning curve for um all the ed- educators in the school system throughout Florida, actually throughout America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we collab together to see, you know, how can we pretty much deal with the students in this situation. Um, we pretty much rely on technology as a whole. The technology has not been holding up as we anticipated, but right. again, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Everything comes with time. Again, this is a situation that we really cannot predict, so we could not necessarily be proactive on this end, more so we're in reactive mode. Right. So um, we communicate with the kids via their um, email addresses through um, websites that have been set up through the state and through the local school districts um, for the teachers to post their work. The teachers are available um, during the day to reach out to the kids um, to help them with any assignments or any questions that them or maybe their parents have. Mm. Um, the counselors are also available um, to speak with the kids and to um, reach out to them in, as far as their mental health concerns. Um, there are also hotlines throughout the state and the local districts that the kids can call if they need additional services after hours or just 24 hours a day. They're available for the kids. So right, right now it's just an adjustment period for everyone. But mm-hmm. the educators are, you know, on deck. They're doing pretty much what they always do. They're always available. Right for the most part and we're just making the best out of a bad situation and the kids know we're there for we post different things on this on our school's website um for the kids to stay abreast of what's going on let me ask you this question um say if it was a parent i know they probably don't have this but they should have something like this in place or if somebody's out there listening one of my millennials or one of the parents in um a position to be able to implement this but what if is it possible they could have like a lot of the the moms and a lot of the you know the parents out here they they have their hands full with work and everything a lot of these guys are in jail um what if it was a way that they could help their kids do their homework from jail you know what i'm saying like if they was able to communicate with them and a lot of guys that are in jail some of the smartest dudes but what is what if they was able to help them go online or if it was an app or something where they could help them go online and actually be in their kids life and help them do their homework i mean i think that would be a good idea that was something that the, the state and the um federal authorities will have to mm-hmm. collaborate on but i don't see that being a bad idea at all yeah they have to monitor a lot i mean yeah, because you know you definitely don't risk. right 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 definitely a security risk but again it'll be good for parents to be able to vibe with their kids and be able to help them with their homework even though they're not right physically there right but if they could do it online and you could see your daddy and talk to him and he could tell you one plus two is three 
I think mm-hmm. that'll that'll Yeah, in the age of technology, I don't see anything being impossible, but again, mm-hmm. you gotta go through the red tape of getting everything approved and, and security is always the number one issue. Right. But you do think that is a good idea and of course. I'm all right. for, you know, parenting, parenting from wherever they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still right. a parent. Yeah. There's still their responsibility. Right. No matter your situation. So I, I wholeheartedly think that'll be a great idea. Something definitely that that should be looked into for the future. And I appreciate you joining me this evening, um, educator. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And like I say, man, it's a lot going on in this world. We all have to make adjustments um, from the correctional facilities, the halfway houses, the school board, um, humans. We all have to make adjustments right now. And this is something that's unprecedented. We've never been through this before. We've never been in this type of situation. We've seen it in other countries. We've seen Ebola. We've heard of swine flu and all of these things, but never anything of this magnitude happening to us that altered our lives to where people are working from home, kids are going to school from home, and our lives have been changed in an instant. So it's a new adjustment for everyone. Um, hopefully everyone taking precautions you guys are stocked up on grocery food Um, parents that are home with the kids um, is not a bad thing so just make the best of it a lot of kids you know they want to see their parents but a lot of us are at work and we don't have the time so with this coronavirus is giving us the time to be with family and friends and kids and loved ones that maybe were alienated over the years or over the past few months. So this is a time for all of us to reflect and be together and and put our heads together and collab and do something different and come up with ways to survive. Right now, a lot of people are out of work and they don't know how they're going to feed themselves. They don't know how their kids are going to eat. Um, you have outlets, the Boys and Girls Club, YMCA's. Um, several schools they're giving out meals every day so if your kids are hungry and you want to save your food at home go out and get some of these meals in your local communities and this is another episode of convicted conversations don't let your past dictate your future and you guys be safe out there in the midst of this coronavirus thank you